It's November 5th, 2020. This is Rook. As you may have heard, there was a little election that took place this week that might, you know, affect the future of the world. The U.S. election 2020 has been full of surprises, emotions, fear, folly, and hopefully inspiration at the end. We're still not entirely sure who will occupy the White House, but after four turbulent years of Trumpism, what are Iranians saying? Well, despite all the controversy, the travel ban, a bungling of a pandemic, don't go jumping to conclusions that Persians would be Team Democrat. Rather, seems Iranians in America are just as polarized as the rest. Today, a rook look at the election and the implications for the diaspora. Mersad Burujerdi and Reza Goharzad join the panel. I'm Gian Gameshi. This is Rook. Hi there, welcome to episode number 59 of Rook. We are on our ongoing mission to build a new audiovisual encyclopedia of Iranian diaspora identity coming to you on SoundCloud, Instagram, YouTube, Spotify, iTunes, and Telegram. Khoshomadid, merci, sad sol, bein sol, ha. Thank you for joining us. Uh, you can link to any of our platforms. The hub of all things Rook at our website, rookmedia.com. Hello, the fabulous Keon. Hi, Gian. How are you? <laughs> I was like, are you going to let me say hi? <laughs> I, my brain is fried. My brain is fried from watching CNN all night for two nights in a row. I'm seeing John King's magic board in my sleep. I, I've lost my voice. I know uh, more about the counties in little parts of Georgia than I think I will ever need to know. And uh, at the time of this recording right now, we do not know an official winner of this uh, election uh, in America. It looks like Biden, but we don't know. Uh, could be Biden or it could be your guy, Keon. <laughs> My guy. Well, listen, I know you don't, I don't, you, you don't want to get angry. I male. don't want to, I don't want to get crucified. But, <laughs> but, but you, you represent a position. I'm anti-Biden. I'll put it that way. I'm not okay. pro anything. Uh, I, you know, but yeah. I think I'm, I'd rather the lesser of two evils oh, and go the other all right, way. All right. And, and I oh, think I a lot of Iranians And the lesser of two evils, evils is Trump. In my opinion. All right. All right. Yes. You know, here's the thing. Beyond the ideology and party politics and the, and the votes, uh, you can count me, Keon, as someone who believes the last four years have been destructive ones for America. It's basically, I think it all went to shit when David Bowie died. <laughs> January 2016, Bowie dies, and, you know, what's happened since then, right? That's it. Um, so, you know, assign the blame where you will, Muslim bans or zealous left-wingers, uh, police shootings, white supremacy, COVID numbers out of control, pulling out of Paris Accords, threats of war with Iran, North Korea, whatever, or cancel culture, political correctness, toxic polarized environment. We, we've talked about all of that, but I have to say, the images of windows being boarded up 
in major American cities because there's a freaking election happening. It's like terrifying. the fact that there are protesters, I mean, sorry, but goaded on by a leader saying, stop counting ballots. Like what country is this, right? <laughs> a, a guy calling it a hoax all in the midst of like a, a raging health crisis with a hundred thousand cases a day of being diagnosed with there. With proof of fake ballots being Oh, come on. You can, come you can on. only go so far with this. This guy, this the, the president of the United States just got up at the White House podium and said that the, the election is being stolen because he doesn't like the votes that are being counted against him. He likes the, the states where the votes are for him. He doesn't like the states where the votes are, are against him. This is absurd and it's got to end. Let's uh, look into it. You know, don't just, my, my advice to people is don't just take whatever the media is feeding you. Take, Watch Fox take, News. No, yeah. I'm actually <laughs> absolutely not. Okay. Take you know, take that information with a grain of salt and do your own investigation sure. into what is really going on. You know, there was a David Bowie song <laughs> with Pat Metheny in the early 80s called This Is Not America. I, I encourage you all. Hello, Captain Reza. Shia, I think you got to hear this David Bowie song. This Is Not America. It was used in a film, The Falcon and the Snowman. It's a beautiful song worth checking out. That notion is alive and well right now, that this is not America. And I know there's a debate about it where, where some folks say, well, no, actually, racial divisions, violence, chaos, polarization, mm-hmm. animosity, discrimination, propaganda, this is America. But, you know, I really love that country. And I'm, I'm being serious. I'm a Canadian, grew up in, in England, but I, I love the United States. And, and because I've been to every part of the U.S., over and over again. A touring musician, you get you get the privilege of doing that. And and when the Gulf War happened in 2001, I wrote this travel log for the Globe and Mail newspaper. I, I would go from city to city. I was traveling in the States to talk to people there, get their opinions and feelings in the wake of 9-11. And my takeaway, my takeaway was that you cannot ever typecast America as one thing or another. Those of us outside of the United States, people around the world, people, we tend to go, even Canadians, you know, we say, oh, Americans are like this. It is such an amazingly diverse place. You travel through the country, you're traveling through a number of different countries almost. And, and you know, I, I love the place. This election um, does feel like a continuation of a dark period over the last four years in America. And at the very least, election votes should be counted and respected and the winner should be announced and the loser should accept that. Here's hoping that better days are, are ahead for America. Let's hope so. <laughs> Whether your guy wins or not, can I? Uh. <laughs> the, the orange skin and the... You know, we will talk about the implications of all of this for Iranians mm. in America, in the diaspora and in Iran with Dr. Mersad Bourajerdi and Reza Goharzad in a few moments, both uh, people who have spent years looking at um, the culture of Iranian Americans and the United States and Iranians within it and outside of it. Um, <clears throat> did you want to say something, Captain Yeah, Reza? I had a question about the song that you mentioned. Uh, this, this is not is America. Not America. Yeah. Uh, I wanted to know in terms of content because I haven't listened. I haven't I listened to that song. But is it close to in terms of content and context? Is it close to Childish Gambino's version of "This no. Is America"? No. Or Donald Glover? No. Love Donald Glover. Yeah. Totally different. Totally different. Thanks for coming. Out, Thank Reza. you. Yeah. Thanks, Reza. <laughs> That's uh, <laughs> unnecessary. I'm sure, everybody really appreciated this <laughs> minute <laughs> that you took up with that. I don't know that. what we do without you. Uh, <laughs> Can we start a jar that says uh, useless <laughs> questions? Reza's going to ask after <laughs> we tape or the the show. 
Um, listen, on to much more important things than elections, riots, uh, uh, lives lost. Louis Apollo. I was going <laughs> to say, yeah, yeah. what is it? <laughs> Uh, now uh. I don't want to. I don't want to belabor the story because clearly everyone's exhausted by it. Uh, you know the fact that Chai didn't share the Lubio Polo <laughs> and that you know we've we've had enough of all of that. But there is some late breaking developments, uh, and uh, we you know can't entirely call the election, but we can call the Lubio Polo in our kitchen in a new big dig. Is it still br- there? Is by, a question? No, no. This is a new. Well, I saw it. Yeah, yeah. This is Reza's girlfriend now. The, this woman seems to be, uh, I, 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 if she's doing anything other than making Lubiapolo, I don't know what it is because she is a Lubiapolo machine. So she has made a new batch of Lubiapolo. Unbelievable. Reza, did you buy a ring yet? <laughs> no. You need to I'm ring that it. woman up. I honestly think about it. Is that the criterion for uh, getting married? It is, is it? in my books. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, it's a huge plus. If a woman makes a nice pot of Lubiapolo, I mean, who's complaining there? Or a man makes one. Oh, Whomever yeah, makes one. But it's one. harder to find. Is, yeah. is it? Is it hard to in find men Iranian, who... In the Iranian community? I don't, I don't think know. It's that Write hard. to us if you're I don't Lubia think it's man. that hard to find. Do you know how to make Lubiapolo? Uh, sure. Wow. But I but I'm into cooking. We should have yeah, a yeah. I oh okay. Well, what do you mean should, oh? You've had my <laughs> you food are. every time. She's it's like a I surprise to her. I know. It's one <laughs> thing I can do. I make food you are and a I cook. Yeah, I, I made a soup. I brought in my That's famous yes. soup yeah, yesterday. yesterday. He that, brought oh. his lentil soup and it was delicious. I think I sampled really it a few good. weeks ago. Oh, yes. Right. So we should have a Lubia Polo cook-off between me and Rezo's yeah. girlfriend. I, I mean, I can. I <laughs> and can then jump he puts the ring on whoever makes it. Oh no. But you know what's funny? The fact that she thought she was putting an end to this Lubia Polo situation. Right. And I was like, you're stunning. How wrong she was. Actually, it's funny because I. Uh, I made a little video it's a stupid video that, and then Ponta the artist was like we have to put that on uh, Instagram so it's on our Instagram <laughs> Facebook but but I was making a little video in our office to to go into the kitchen showing that there's a dig, there's a new big pot of Lubia Polo crediting Reza's girlfriend like this is like literally in real time as I'm making the video Shia <laughs> is there <laughs> before anyone has touched it eating the Lubia like Polo you rat. can see video evidence <laughs> of this out of the pot <laughs> you can see with that guilty face <laughs> I don't I'm so sorry to everybody I apologize to everybody that we are carrying on like this with the fate of the world in the hands of a, an American election but uh uh, uh, you know, um, sometimes have a bowl of lubia polo. That do, makes do you, everything. How's the cooking going for you, uh, uh, Kion? Listen, Gian, the gym's shut down, and I'm right back where I started. If you're so convinced that a good lubia polo <laughs> will win somebody uh, mm. somebody's heart forever, this doctor that you've been dating. <laughs> I mean, I, no, I'm asking. I mean, this yeah, doctor, please, this doctor, yes. oh, uh, no. Keon's doctor. <laughs> we didn't know. Why, I didn't know why must I you asked, mention that? Because I, yesterday Persian I was like, Keon, Keon, uh, can you come in for a meeting? Hmm. That I was uh, Yesterday was Wednesday. Can you come in for a meeting? She's like, Wednesdays I'm with my doctor. <laughs> And she doesn't mean like me. No, I meant because he's do, he doesn't have full weekends off, and Wednesdays right. are are a. Free uh, but I day. like the way every time you mention him, you can't just say my boyfriend. It's like the my doctor. <laughs> no. it's maybe it's, it's like, my mom's uh, influence. No, no, yeah. I swear to God. Right, growing up, she always used to say, "Kian, don't marry a businessman, not uh, like an entrepreneur. Marry a doctor. They'll, they'll never cheat on you," <laughs> oh, <laughs> which right. is completely false. <laughs> not to say that this guy cheats. <laughs> <laughs> wow. She's like her theory is listening. that there's, so, there's What's two, his name? 
I don't want to say. <laughs> oh, I don't want to. Is it? Uh, I was hoping you wouldn't bring him up. It, anyway, Bijan? No. No, it's well, a Persian name. But anyway, uh, anyway. Masood, Doctor Masood, Jamshid. 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 It is. It's Asghar. I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> no offense doctor, to that name. Doctor. Doctor Asghar. No. Well, anyway, uh, yeah. Uh, my point What's your is. Point in well, this? my point is. But by the way, is he he also pro Trump? Uh, maybe. Moving, uh, maybe yes he is uh, no. Listen, you can't I don't want no, politics to be a problem for you guys. it's never it's, all right it well then he is issue. okay yeah, so do you do you my question here's my question here. yes if if you I mean you were so quick to say to Reza mm-hmm. you know put a ring on mm-hmm. on your wonderful partners because they make a good Lubia polo yeah. Do you make a good Libya? Like maybe this is the way I to do. be doctor. Oh, I actually we cook together mm. on the weekends. You know, there's nothing else to do, and going to a restaurant. I thought you said he's outdoors, not available on the weekends. That's well, right. sometimes. He is. Okay, all right. <laughs> it's like, wow, I can't. Well, I, you can never get a live past Gia. You fact check <laughs> the hell out of you. Oh my uh, God. No, we cook so together. That's very it's nice. nice. Like on the weekend, we make and he brings stuff. a doctor's precision to his cooking. Listen, yeah. I'm a disaster. Like we went biking yesterday, and the idiot that I am likes mm. to take videos when it's a beautiful view. I there were people, and I braked my bike too hard, mm-hmm. and I fell off of it. Oh, <laughs> ruined my bike. So, and then this happened. And then your this doctor happened again saved last you. week. Yeah. And yes, yeah, so oh, I think like this is this yeah. is a, evolutionarily speaking. I think I need a doctor in my <laughs> life because I'm a hazard to myself. Oh, that's choshbahalit uh, yes, so. with your doctor. She see Shaya. Uh, yes, we could have been a doctor, and, and <laughs> we, neither of us are. None of us are. Oh, Reza's not. Just to be clear, second degree. Uh, <laughs> oh my god! No, I mean, I <laughs> other my, professions. Are there just is as no, respectable. there is no Persian parent who would prefer any of us over your doctor. I'm no. sure. That's hard. You've got the doctor, and he, you fake fall <laughs> off your bike so that he'll rescue you on Wednesdays <laughs> so good. before you guys cook together. You know, I mean, it's <laughs> it's not it's it's a I mean, who what kind of a life do you have? I don't know. No wonder you're pro Trump. Everything's perfect for you. Stock market, everything's oh great. The joke is, friends of mine have asked, so like, what does your mom think of him? Has she met him? And my answer is, listen to me. Listen very carefully. Persian doctor, period. <laughs> <laughs> that is all. That's the answer. All right. <laughs> anyway, okay. So uh, we got, uh, we had an episode uh, earlier this week that uh, I was hoping wouldn't get swallowed up by all the election um, news. El Naz sat off. Yeah. And her Roy B. Computer. Yeah. I know we got some letters about <laughs> we that. We sure did. And you wanted, you were saying you want to talk about some letters about Maz Jabrani. That was a few episodes yeah, ago. Yeah, so a few episodes ago. So listen, Maz Jabrani, we know him as a comedian, an actor. Um, Fabulous great, guy. I, great guy. What I expected on that episode was to him, you know, everybody has a political view, of course. Mm-hmm. You can have your, you can say your piece, but I found that the whole episode was very political. Which mm-hmm. And you didn't like that. Which I, I mean, you're... Well, a comedian. I'm sorry. I'm going to be that person, but no, I'm Mazes. saying Maz Jabrani right, is a comedian. I love him as a comedian. I don't agree with his views. Right. That's fine. So you found some letters that vindicate your sorry. feelings about that. <laughs> but the funny thing is, it's like the bulk of the letters on the Maz Jabrani episode was very political. Sometimes and people write in a letter when they disagree with something as yeah, opposed to writing to say true. they love it. That is right? true. That is so true. That, that might be part of it. Yeah. So we'll get to those letters. Yes, yes, we will. The Fabulous Keon, Captain Reza, Groovy Shia, thank you. Let us talk about what is happening in the world right now the entire world has been caught up in the mystery the madness the machinations of the american presidential election this week as perhaps fitting with this era of u.s politics the whole thing has been emotional uh divisive 
chaotic in some cases, unpredictable, infuriating, depending on what side of the fence you're on and, and who has won, who ends up winning. For the record, at this time of this recording, while it appears that the Democrat Joe Biden has found victory, we do not actually have the official official winner of this election, not to mention potential legal challenges and recounts in the days and weeks ahead. Uh, for many of us in Canada or around the world, uh, where Donald Trump is deeply unpopular. It may seem strange that Americans did not summarily reject Mr. Trump and Trumpism in the midst of a badly handled pandemic response, but clearly it is more complicated than that. And the implications of this vote in the coming months in the next administration are not just major for Americans, but for Iranians as well. In fact, many have made the case that no group will be more affected by this election outside of Americans, that is, than Iranians, those in America and in the diaspora and in Iran. Well, to help us assess what some of those implications are and how Iranians see this vote, I am joined by two prestigious guests today who know their stuff in this area. Dr. Merzad Burujerdi is an internationally recognized expert on Iran and Middle East politics and the director of Virginia Tech School of Public and International Affairs. He has written and contributed to a number of books on Iranian society and politics. Professor Burujerdi is a past president of the International Society for Iranian Studies, and the founding director of the Middle Eastern Studies program at Syracuse University. Professor Mehrzad Burujerdi joins us from Los Angeles today. Hello, sir. Thank you for having me. <laughs> Welcome back to the program. And Reza Gorhazad has over 40 years of experience as a journalist and political analyst through writing, editing for print media, radio and television programs, and as a human rights activist about political, cultural and educational discrimination in Iran. He has been an expert and analyst attending presidential conventions of the Democratic and Republican parties to report and analyze those political events for Iranian Americans over the years. And he is currently the writer, producer and host of the Persian language radio show Politics and Society on KIRN 670 AM radio in California. Reza Goharzad joins us from Irvine, California today. Hello to you, sir. Uh, hello, and thanks for having me on your show. It's honor. It's a great pleasure, Reza, to have you on the program. I, uh, I, I, guys, this is not going to be easy because we we really don't know what's happening, as does uh, any media in North America around the world right now. But let me say this to start. For those of us like me who are Gen Xers, we can remember back to disputed and divided elections in America, Gore-Bush 2000. But this seems like an extra level of chaos and division this term after four years of Trump. Uh, Mayor Zod, let me start with you. As a longtime American scholar and someone of Iranian background, what are your general impressions of this election so far? Right. So, um, you know, I have been living in the United States for the last 40 years. And frankly, I can never think of another time period where I saw the country as polarized as, you know, we have seen it this week with the uh, you know, election that we are, we are talking about. Um, it, it is clear that we are talking about, you know, two Americas that are in, in many ways ideologically happen to be diametrically, you know, opposed to, to one another on, on, on a whole host of, uh, you know, serious issues, frankly, in terms of uh, domestic politics, in terms of international politics. And, uh, and I think, you know, the, the election, uh, if, if the results hold as they are right now, uh, you know, even if Mr. Biden uh, is a presumptive 
a victor of the presidential elections, the fact that um, the Democratic Party has not been able to take on the, uh, the Senate uh, seems to indicate that uh, the political paralysis that they have seen uh, for, for a long time is going to continue, no end in sight in, in that regard. And f- uh, furthermore, it seems to me that um, at least if the initial um, reactions from President Trump are any indication about these lawsuits and you know, um, calling the legitimacy of the election um, you know, into question, uh, this is not going to bode well uh, for, for, for the future. I mean, okay, you know, come January, there is a, uh, uh, perhaps a new person sitting in, in, in the White House, but that doesn't mean that this uh, you know, polarized politics uh, is going to melt away, uh, right? Just because you have had a new uh, person inaugurated as, as a presumptive new uh, a president. So it, it becomes really important uh, how much the new person can heal the rifts that have developed, the cleavages that have developed within the American society at large. Reza, let me bring you in here. You're not new to watching American politics and the, the two big parties in the States. Is this week as astounding to you as Marisad has just suggested? Yes, it is. As you mentioned, 2000 election, I was very new on the United States election. That was my first year of attending the uh, both of the conventions in United States and watching as an Iranian that is not familiar with kind of voting kind of uh, conventions and what's going on in United States politics based on the election. But four years, two years after each other came and I experienced different kind of um, atmosphere in Iran, in United States. And then this year is totally different as uh, in last four years we were expected that populist uh, president like it, president trump that he doesn't obey any kind of law and order himself he has no uh, respect to the regulations and more than that he's the people around him they are trying to uh, bring their own agenda to president's uh, order so that's why it happens. This is election, and this election, we were expecting that gonna happen like this, but not as strong as like this. That they don't have any clue what gonna happen, and with this gonna end this struggle. Now you seeing the, all the lawsuits going, even the strategies from the, uh, the Republican Party that they were on the time of the Al Gore and George Bush in the law and defense of the George Bush, now they are joining the Joe Biden teams because they think this is not the way that United States will go into the election and this is not the way that lawsuit is going. President Trump is this, is this state for me or let's go to the court. That's all it is. So we keep, Reza, we keep hearing, uh, I mean, to to segue into the, the, the direct interest of this program and what is germane to us in the diaspora, we keep hearing the stakes are high for Iranians in Iran and around the world with this election. Uh, do you believe that the results of this election are, the implications are dramatically different depending on who wins? 
Not totally different. Not totally different. Because United States, based on all the uh, Democrats and Republicans administration during the years, they show that they are not going to uh, end the um, sanction. They are not going to be uh, having the friendly uh, relation with Iran as they have with the Saudi Arabia. The total is uh, relations are different. It is not going to change that much, but based on pressures that from United States increasing, to me, it will be different kind of pressure from Biden or from Trump in future, depends how they will manage their foreign policy and relation and how this pandemic gonna go and the economy. But I think that uh, Iran thinking that maybe Biden will be helpful, but in other hand, because Iran likes to live in the crisis and the crisis will help Iranian government to stay in power. So maybe they like to have the Trump in it. Mayor Saab, what, what, do you agree? What do you think is at stake um, for Iranians in Iran and around the world with this election? Yeah, um, my, my take is the following. Um, I think the, uh, you know, when, when the Ayatollah says um, there is uh, no difference between the two, um, he is not you know, being truthful. There is indeed going to be differences between between the two uh, candidates. I feel that um, uh, if if Biden is the uh, uh, next president, um, he will need to uh, do some some things in terms of outreach to to Iran for a for, for a variety of reasons. Um, uh, you know, for example, um, Iran's activities in the region, but but more importantly, the fact that the um, Uranium enrichment uh, that Iran is engaging in is, is continuing um, uh, at, at full speed, and therefore this is going to become a worrisome issue uh, for for the Biden administration. So I think what what might happen if uh, Biden is in uh, the White House is that uh, he's going to uh, make some initiatives to Iran to whet their appetites. In other words, offer some help on fighting COVID because of the serious. A challenge that it is you know, posing to Iran. Uh, talk about you know return to JCPOA and the nuclear uh, agreement, and yet at the same time, I think it would be it would be foolish of him not to take advantage of the fact that the sanctions imposed by Trump uh, has basically put the United States in a stronger position. So let's say whether it's in in regard to Iran's missile activities, whether it's in terms of relations with, you know, um, the uh, Hezbollah and the um, Shia militias in Iraq, etc. I think, you know, Biden administration is going to put those things, you know, to good use. From an Iranian perspective, uh, you know, the folks sitting in Tehran, um, I see a, a major rift in the sense that the population in Iran feels that, you know, they are, as Reza was pointing out, they are so exhausted, so so disappointed uh, in, the, in terms of the uh, type of regime that they have had, that they are hoping, as before, for a savior from outside, and, and they are pinning their hopes on, on the United States, you know, be it Trump or Biden, as a way of, you know, rescuing them, which I think is, is uh, uh, while, you know, you can understand the psychology of desperation and, you know, wanting such a thing, I don't think, frankly, that um, neither Biden nor Trump is going to change things in Iran in, in a fundamental uh, manner. Uh, after all, President Trump has a track record of you know four years, and, and uh, Vice President Biden as being the second in command uh, 
uh, during the Obama administration also has a track record in terms of uh, you know dealing with Iran. So uh, if past is any indication, I think you know what you can expect. Uh, with Biden is more of the same of the you know, policies pursued during the Obama era. Um, so so that's that's my take. And and I think from the Iranian government perspective, um, look, they have they have no option but to negotiate, regardless of who is sitting, you know, in the White House. Uh, their their denunciations and saying that it doesn't make any difference, you know, should be uh, regarded for what it is. It's simple propaganda. Um, but you know, they know that the population uh, is very intensely following the course of the U.S. elections because so much relies on what happens. I mean, people have felt this uh, in, in their pocketbook. When Mr. Trump was you know, elected president, the exchange rate between the dollar and real was 3,200 two months to a dollar. And now it's 32,000 two months to a dollar. So you can see the depreciation that has taken place just in, in, in four years. Um, so it becomes crucial uh, how Iran handles uh, the, the next administration in the U.S. G- gentlemen, you're both Iranian-Americans. You both study uh, Iranian-Americans. I want to try and get an understanding of the Iranian-American psyche uh, going into this vote, uh, after this vote. A-, a lot has been made, it occurs to me. You know, I'm watching the mainstream media a coverage of this election, and a lot is made of, say, how all Hispanics, especially in Florida, have not gone for Biden, despite this expectation we almost have, this reflexive expectation that non-whites would prefer Democrats, non-whites would prefer Biden. One has to recognize that this is true for Iranians in America as well, who are clearly not a monolithic group when it comes to political preferences. Can you give us a sense of who Iranians have publicly come out to support in this election? Start with you, Mehrsad. Well, you know, I think what what I see, uh, the anecdotal evidence is that for a lot of Iranian Americans, I will describe them as single issue voters. In other words, what mattered for them the most was, you know, the U.S. policy toward Iran, right? Uh, And what's going to happen to the Islamic regime. So in that sense, many of them might be similar to the traditional Cuban Americans, uh, you know, in Florida, uh, being single issue voters, which I personally totally disagree with. I think, you know, the Iranian American community uh, should be thinking about what is in their interest above and beyond just the policy toward Iran. You need to think about, you know, uh, uh, the economic policies, uh, how, how to deal with the, with the uh, COVID uh, challenge right now. You need to think about, uh, you know, the politics of polarization uh, that, that has been, uh, you know, invoked uh, over the last you know four years, etc. So, so I I, uh, I have seen people on both sides of the divide. In other words, Iranian Americans who are single issue voters, and all they care is about you know uh, what the policy is going to be toward Iran, and then others who you know have a, a, a wider spectrum uh, of of views, and you know think back to for example how President Trump's Muslim ban, the visa restrictions, etc., came to hurt many Iranians uh, as well, and, and you know, uh, brought about separation of families and the like. Um, look, I think it, we are stating a fact. If the American public at large uh, has been polarized, uh, the same type of divisions can be seen within the Iranian American uh, community as well. And I think this is going to go on 
for, for some time. Again, just because of where we sit and how um, you know Iran is important to us, and at the same time, not necessarily being able to make the calls as to what the policy should be vis-a-vis the Iranian government. The, the single-issue voter uh, is point is well taken, and it occurred to me that, you know, uh, for those who don't, don't understand Cuban-Americans in Florida voting Trump, uh, we, we are more familiar with that because we see it uh, with certain Iranian communities vote, going Trump and, and around that single-issue. Reza, on the face of it, uh, even disregarding his character, his prevarications, his disastrous handling of COVID, it would seem strange for Iranians to gravitate towards a guy who has presided over a travel ban that prevents their relatives from entering the country and someone who regularly demonizes Middle Eastern folks and Muslims. And yet there are Iranians who are devoted to Trump. Uh, an NPR study came out today that said 35% of Muslims in America voted for Trump this week. How do we make sense of that, Reza? As a person that I'm always on radio and TV shows, and I receive a lot of calls and a lot of attacks, especially in this election, because I'm not pro-Trump and I'm talking through the reality what's going on in this country. As I see the three generation of Iranians, they have different kind of attitude towards the uh, President Trump or this election. The first generation, as Dr. Brugerdi mentioned about it, the people, they're thinking the same way as the Cubans. Okay, Iranian government was changed through the Carter administration, so we are against that. So we are pro the guy that will be changed the Iranian regime. There is a younger generation that more Dr. Brugerdi will uh, know about it because they go to the universities and he uh, see them and he face them they are totally different. They act like Americans. They have a love for their culture and homeland, but mostly they are looking as a Iranian American, but the American side is more stronger. They're looking what's gonna happen to the United States with the Trump administration. In middle, there is a generation like me or others that they are pro-Trump, pro-Biden, or they are in wave of different uh, attitude. I face those every day in my uh, shows, TV, radio, and pressure, pressure, and pressure to stop my activities and to stop my programs on the media. So this gives the sense that how Iranians, they are polarized based on regime change. And I ask my question from them, how long President Trump needed to change the regime? Four years or four years and one year, mm-hmm. month? four years and one day. So this is the question that always gonna be in Iranian minds that, so what gonna happen after this election? No matter Biden or Trump, Mr. Dr. Burjadi explained very well about the United States relation and the foreign policy and what gonna happen to the nuclear deal. But I think most likely Joe Biden, if it's a president, will follow not straightly, whatever directly, whatever happened during the Obama era, he will be more stronger towards the right in this situation because he need the vote of the Congress. He need to any kind of act that he want to do through the region, most likely to the right wing. So we have right wing Trump and middle Biden following the Obama 
inside the United States policy for the people and the foreign policy most likely closer to the a little bit in between Trump and uh, Obama. Reza, when you talk about that polarization amongst Iranians that you experience in, uh, in the States and you hear from them on your radio show, uh, what about the people in Iran, Iranians in Iran? I, I, I can't remember which network it was, one of the Iranian networks I was watching yesterday where there were Iranians in Iran saying uh, they hope that Trump has won the elections. Uh, what are you hearing about their view in this election, Reza? Same as only the only the people from Iran, the ones that they are desperate and they are want to change, and they are not scared to show their voice or face in front of the uh, for, uh, Iranian media uh, in uh, Europe or United States and talk about the ch- President Trump. Reality: Iran has 80 million people. People they are looking for their first thing, and that's the economy. Doctor uh, Bourgeri explained very good what happened to the dollar and to man in in these four years iranians they are looking to see that how they're going to end up having their dinner and lunch in their life but in a propaganda machine that is producing a lot of things through the outside media no matter what kind is they are promoting that if the trump comes the change will come and that's why it's coming from iran too but it's not i don't think that's a is the 80 million Iranians that they are thinking. Desperation is for 80 million Iranians, yes, but Trump for 80 million Iranians, I don't think so. It's sad. Marisab, what are you hearing about the uh, people in Iran in terms of their reactions to this election? Right, so, you know, again, anecdotal evidence, uh, what I'm hearing is that there was a lot of pro-Trump sentiment in, in, in Iran. And, you know, again, hoping that it will bring about regime change. But, you know, I think we, we need to be realistic. You know, it, it, it's something to hope uh, for, for change from outside. But, you know, you, when you look at reality as sort of a hard-nosed analyst, you know, I, I remind myself that, well, wasn't it Mr. Trump who reached out to the leadership of North Korea? Isn't he the one who is negotiating with the Taliban in Afghanistan? So what gives people the idea in Iran that he is less reluctant to negotiate with the Ayatollahs? Indeed, hasn't he himself repeated on more than one occasion that the first call he expected to get, you know, after the election, if you had won, was from the Iranian leadership? So he is is signaling, he is communicating in every possible way that he is interested in reaching a deal with Iran, not in toppling the Iranian state. Look, what, what we know about President Trump is the following. Um, he is an isolationist, right? He is not in favor of military engagement in other parts of the world. Uh, Case in point, look over the last four years that he has been in office. When it came to the conflicts and the wars in Libya, in Yemen, in Iraq, in Syria, in Afghanistan, right? What was his impulse? Either not to get involved at all or, you know, try to pull the American forces out of those places. As such, what gives people in Iran the hope that if he is reelected, he is going to be going and toppling uh, you know, the regime? I don't see that at all. Indeed, I would say, uh, because you know, Trump understands what is at stake in a military confrontation with Iran, a country that is larger than Afghanistan and uh, Iraq 
combined, both in terms of geographical size and, and, and population size. Okay, so, so I think it's, a, it's wishful thinking to, for folks in Iran to think that if Trump was reelected, it would bring about regime change. No, indeed, his plan, in my view, was that, okay, I have you know, exerted this maximum pressure campaign, I have gotten some concession out of them, and therefore they are in a weakened position. Let's drive a hard bargain, uh, you know, come up with an agreement that then I can hold up as one of my major foreign policy accomplishments. Therefore, I do not see uh, this, you know, line, I do not agree with this line of thinking that if it was Trump, the outcome would have been any uh, different in terms of, uh, you know, dealing with, with Iran. And I fully agree with Mr. Guazad that yes, you know, again, Biden is going to take advantage. He has to pay homage to his internal opponents and uh, with the a strong showing that the Republicans have demonstrated in the House and, and, and the Senate, whatever major um, policy initiative uh, President-elect uh, Biden is going to uh, uh, pursue vis-a-vis -vis Iran and needs to get the buy-in uh, from, from Congress as well, and that's going to be a hard sell. Reza, since you hear from um, folks who support Trump and uh, um, aren't happy with <laughs> that you're not taking that position on your radio show or your television programs, if I were to say to you, well, well do your best impression, uh, get, you know, clearly you've listened to them, I'm sure you've, uh, and you, you have an understanding of their position. Is there something about their argument that you're sympathetic to? Is, is there a part of the argument that you can buy into? Or or at the very least, what do you think the most sane or sage argument is for a pro, what pro-Trump argument is for Iranians in America? Most likely, I hear from them to, towards the message that they leave to the, my radio station or they're asking to eliminate me from the radio. I think that they do different kind of uh, thing. They think that Whoever is against Trump is pro-Iranian government. That's only that you can listen, hear from Iranian diaspora that they're thinking, if I'm against Trump, so I'm pro-Iranian government. Oh. And that's not true. They, Iranians, they always, they think that, oh, let's give him a chance. He will change it. He said this, he said that. So you guys are, reality, they are desperate as people in Iran and they want the end to Iranian regime. One thing that I should mention about the whole idea of the Iran's inside the Iran from the government towards the United States, uh, next administration, Iranian presidential uh, election is in very soon future in next year. Right. So they rather, they rather based on who will become the president of the United States, they arrange their new president in Iran from the new generation, maybe not from the um, Ayatollahs, some person that looks like Ahmadinejad, but younger to talk with United States. So they are looking for a deal, no matter with the Biden or Trump. 
let me try this out on you guys. By, by the way, I'm, I'm, I'm very grateful to both of you for the generosity of you giving us this time. I, I've only got a couple more questions. I, if I, if, I'll try this out on you. Maybe it's rubbish. Maybe it doesn't make any sense. But uh, I want to get your reaction. I can't help but return repeatedly in my mind to what happened in Iran in 2009. Hash of the hash. We, we, here we are in America in 2020, a, a, a popular repudiation of the incumbent. I mean, no matter what officially happens here, um, Biden is set to win the popular vote by as much as 5 million or maybe more. Uh, and, a, and a president who's calling a hoax and setting out to use the laws to ensure a result he likes and stay in power. Do you see any parallels to Iran 2009? And what do you think Iranians could teach Americans about fair elections, Merzad? So I think the the similarity I see, uh, both in terms of Iran of 2009 and the United States of 2020, is the uh, amazing level of polarization, uh, you know, in 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 the in the country. Um, uh, what I hope the outcome in the United States is not going to be like the one we saw in in Iran, and I hardly doubt it. That that will be the will be the case. You know, frankly, uh, at the end of the uh, end of the day, uh, there are still rules and institutions in the United States, from the Supreme Court to the military, and and so forth, that you know need to abide by certain code of conduct. And uh, there, there there is a you know legal system to uh, uh, to to make sure uh, that people are not you know misusing their their office in in, in that sense. So I do not you know expect. Um, a, a major uh, sort of level of violence. There, 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 sh- there should, there, there is bound to be, you know, some uh, riots here and there, um, you know, again because of the level of polarization. But you know, frankly, I do not expect that to last long. Uh, and and one indication of that is that if Mr. Biden's victory in the in the remaining you know uh, states. Uh, really does uh, happen, um, then the margin of vote, both popular vote and the electoral vote, is going to uh, you know put it out of the question in terms of who has actually won uh, you know this this uh, uh, election. Uh, but look, at the same time, I have to say this: um, you know, a, as a political scientist uh, for many years, we have been you know talking about the values of the American democracy. We even have a term for it in political science. We used to call it. A mature democracy, right? Uh, now, in the aftermath of everything that has happened over the last four years, I am very much reluctant to refer to the United States any longer as a mature democracy because we see, we saw how fragile institutions can be, how, you know, uh, an, an, an orthodox president um, can basically, you know, change. Uh, the rules of the game and, and rules of engagement and how a party, you know, like the, the, like the Republican Party, um, you know, can can be molded by, by a strong-willed president in his image. Uh, these were not the type of things that I really expected in the, in the United States. But uh, so I think, you know, now uh, as a student of politics, there are certain important lessons I have learned. A you know, uh, give up on the notion of a mature democracy, look at the vulnerabilities uh, and the fragileness of, you know, what can happen even in a country as politically developed as the United States. Secondly, I would say, 
uh, take the message of Trump seriously. I mean, this politics of nativism, this America first, you know, rhetoric that we heard, it absolutely touched a chord with the American public, at least with half of the American public, you know, as of as of right now. So for him to have done so well in the midst of a COVID that has been definitely mishandled, I think, you know, it speaks to the significance of, you know, not only his personal charisma, but also the message that he has been conveying to the public. So we need to study this thing a bit more. After all, this politics of nativism, uh, it, you know, has a long tradition in the United States. You know, you go back to the early uh, 1900s, there was another movement uh, called the Know Nothings, that again, we're, we're demonstrating the same, articulating the same type of demands, right, yeah. you know, mistrust of outsiders, you know, inward looking uh, politics and on and on and on. Um, Trump has revived that tradition and it's definitely, uh, you know, something that we need to be paying much more serious attention to. I want to go to Reza on this question of parallels to 2009, but can I just say that it's incredibly sad to hear you say that you no longer consider the United States a mature democracy. I mean, even those of us or folks around the world who have been hypercritical of the U.S. over the years for everything from the slave trade to uh, imperialism, uh, there has been this notion of um, the value of that constitution and of, of, of knowing how to do a democracy or at least the postulate of a democracy. And to, to hear you say what you've just said is, is actually quite sad. You know, I, I hear you. I mean, you know, again, over the last 40 years, my assumption always was that the American Constitution is, is a secular Bible, right? That that people abide by it, that, that, you know, institutions such as, you know, the Supreme Court, the, the military, Federal Reserve, were beyond partisan politics. But everything we have seen, you know, over the last few years uh, has basically sort of shattered that perception for me, not to say that it has, you know, entirely gone away. After all, as I, as I started saying at the beginning of my response to you, your last question, uh, there are still rules and institutions, and thank God for that, that we have those things there. But I think what became really clear to me, at least, is that they are not as solid as one, you know, once right. we thought, right? right. They, they have become fragile. Look at everything that, for example, has been happening with, with, with the Supreme Court and, and that whole uh, process. Look at the, you know, the, 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 the uh, manipulation of media messages on, on, on either side that we have seen uh, lately. I mean, it's, it's as if you don't even need to any longer wait to hear Right. What is going to come out of Fox or what is going to come out of you know CNN? Of Just those names right. are going to be communicating something to you, and that is that was not my perception of the role of media as sort of this watchdog of truth in in a mature democracy. Reza, I don't want to be too silly about this or too reductive, but do you see any parallels with two thousand and nine Iran? I will tell you the, the funny thing that Iranian people they send it to me. Uh, after these three days are going Iranian from Iran, they send me this. In Iranian election, in one day we got the result, we went <laughs> to street and we got beaten by the um, government uh, police. Now you guys are sitting at home and watching TV to see that what's going to happen. So there is similarity with one thing. In Iran, they had a supreme leader to come and the role that, okay, this is it but you cannot do anything. 
take the people to the prison and stop the people any kind of activities in United States, as Dr. Brugerdi was explaining that now he has a big question mark about the mature democracy. I have a question mark. Is the people that ask were pro, uh, promoting Pax Americana, they were thinking that United States will, unfortunately, will change badly and will go through a lot of change or there is a lot of holes in your United States policies that they never noticed till now, or even if they noticed, they had no power to change it. Now, it, the situation shows it is similar for us that we are Iranian, they feel that way. But for the Americans, maybe they don't know anything that what happened in Iran, and that's a similarity. That's only we can feel it, that this is a similarity. Always, I said, we had Ahmadinejad in Iran, we got the Trump in United States, different brand, but the same model. But let's see that what happens. A final question to you both. I'll start with you, Reza. Uh, as an analyst, as a commentator, as an observer, what what will you most be looking at and for in the coming weeks with, with respect to implications for Iranians about the way this election is panning out? Iranians, they will. They are always very excited, but they will get very tired and go to the side as the election goes to the people that. They think like Americans, they are thinking that okay, this was election, Biden elected or Trump elected, let's move with it, let's live with it. There is not many of those in Iranian community beside the scholars like, as you're talking to Dr. Berger-Dide, or different scholars or students or the people that go to university. Iranian people, especially the first generation, that they are now old, they will be angry if the Trump is not elected. They will think that, as Trump said, this was a rigged election, that was fraud or something. They will follow with that, but they are not going to do any activities. And Mersad Burajardi, uh, as a political scientist, what will you be looking for most in the coming weeks with respect to implications for Iranians about the way this election is panning out? Yeah, I agree. I think, you know, uh, we, we are experiencing a sort of a heightened level of interest right now in the election but once the results you know bec become known uh, people are going to resign themselves to that to that uh, outcome of course you know depending on their uh, degree of partisanship uh, you know there are going to be voices that might be you know calling the results of the election under question or or you know wishing for a, for a different type of outcome uh, you know from either party uh, but but i think those are going to be uh, minority voices I, I expect very soon, um, you know, once this uh, the winner issue is settled, uh, the, the the attention of the Iranian American community, as well as the folks in Iran, is going to revert back to the major issue for them, which again is going to be what is going to be the policy of the next administration vis-a-vis uh, -vis Iran, uh, and I think that will be the big issue that is going to be discussed and debated uh, heatedly over dinner tables and, and gatherings. Gentlemen, Kheli Mochakiram, Reza Goharzad, I thank you so much. What a pleasure it has been to have you on this program. Thank you very much. And it was a, my pleasure to talk to you guys and uh, talking to Dr. Brugerdike that he was guest on my TV show. Now I'm honored that I was with him in the same <laughs> program for the 
per people in the media, it's not that much opportunity to be with the scholars and learn more from them. Beautifully said. And Dr. Merzab Bourjardi, uh, to echo uh, Reza Goharzad, thank you so much for the work you do and thank you so much for the time you've taken again to come on Rook. Thank you, Jim, for having me. It was a pleasure. And it was a really pleasure to also be with Mr. Goharzad in this program. Bye-bye. Khodafis. Thanks, guys. Bye. Bye. Dr. Mersad Bourjardi is an internationally recognized expert on Iran and Middle Eastern politics and the director of Virginia Tech School of Public and International Affairs. We reached him in Los Angeles today. And Reza Goharzad is currently the writer, producer, and host of the Persian language radio program Politics and Society. That's on KIRN 670 AM radio in California. We reached Reza Goharzad in Irvine today. Interesting conversation about the implications. There's so many question marks around what's going to be happening in uh, the U.S. and uh, this election 2020. Who's going to be the the president? Uh, which party is going to win the Senate? Uh, wh what's going to happen with potential legal uh, challenges, uh, etc. Let alone potential riots or issues, protests in the streets. Glad that those two folks uh, came on and helped us out with this. And if you have any comments, by all means, leave them on any of our platforms or contact us at info at rookmedia.com. Shaya, Captain Reza, and the fabulous Keon have reconvened. Keon, you want to say anything about uh, those two folks? I mean, they're both very well spoken. In my honest opinion, I would have liked to see to hear someone's opinion from the other side as well, just to keep things balanced. Um, they had good points to make, but I'm sure someone on the other side. The other side being uh, somebody who's fervently pro-Trump. Yes. Yeah, I, I thought Dr. Barry J.D. was trying to walk the line, and, and mm -hmm. I, I don't know how um, aggressively Democrat Reza Goharzad was, but mm -hmm. he clearly is not a Trump fan. Yeah. That's what it sounded like, yeah. Um, interesting. Okay, Re uh, Captain Reza? Yeah, but um, what I really liked, and I, I never looked at it that way, it was what Dr. Bourgeois said about uh, single issue um, uh, voters, essentially, who vote simply because um, uh, they have one issue and one issue in, in mind and they don't look at a bigger picture. Uh, a lot of Iranians, I suppose, they look at it that way. And so they think that if Trump gets reelected, Iran is going to be, at least the government is going to be changing the government. It's going to be put more pressure on the Iranian government. And so that's great. But um, overall, like I, I and and you, you mentioned, I think something about the the Cuban Americans voting. A hundred percent. Yeah, so, it, it is so interesting because we've heard this conversation mm -hmm. about other ethnic groups or whatever you want to call them, minorities, you know, and specifically Hispanics in Florida for the yeah. last few days because it was so determinative of what happened in Florida, they say, because uh, the, those those Cuban-Americans and I guess some Venezuelan-Americans, et cetera, in that Miami-Dade area went Trump, mm -hmm. uh, and they are very much single-issue voters. I mean, they're self-proclaimed. Look, yeah. this guy's got a better line on Cuba than, you know, the Democrats who are too cozy with it, whatever, however they would say it. 
And I actually had an Iranian friend of mine say, can you believe these these Latinos, these Hispanics voting for Trump? Why would they do that? And I said, you have a, the best insight into this because we know Iranians, I'm not, I don't know if this is why you, uh, Keanu, are on that side, but, but we know that there are Iranians who, uh, and I, I have some in my extended family who it's a single issue for them. Mm-hmm. It is, uh, you know, the, this guy is going to be better for, you know, the end of the regime. And, uh, and, and now whether even if you do take that single issue, whether that makes any sense. I mean, as as Reza Goharsad said, he, well, he's had four years, you know, <laughs> still regime still there. Uh, you know, another four years is going to help. Or, but it, it is it is certainly the voting. But the other thing that that is just interesting for me as a you know, as a as a poli sci major in, in in university, as somebody who's just a political junkie myself, it's been so interesting how the narrative in recent years, um, uh, you know, not not that there there wasn't good data to sort of back up this narrative, but the narrative has been as America becomes more diverse, you know, uh, places like Texas, Florida, etc., uh, it's going to become a more democratic, more country. And people yeah. are going to, there's going to be more democratic votes, uh, democratic leaders, democratic presidents, because, you know, the notion is that white people vote Republican or, you know, and, and my, you know, people of color, et cetera, vote uh, Democrat. And that's just not true. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, yeah. it is, it is true percentage wise. I mean, it, it, disproportionately African-Americans, of course, voted for Biden this, in this case, but the notion that all Hispanics, all African Americans, all Iranians are going to vote for uh, the the Democratic candidate, yeah. um, n- not only is not true, in some cases the opposite of the truth. Mm-hmm. You know, the, yeah. as I say, regardless of travel ban or Muslim ban or any of that stuff, the that NPR study I read came out today that said thirty five percent of Muslims in America voted for Trump. Yeah. So uh, you know, there's you you cannot generalize about yeah. about I guess about any of us. You right? have to look at the bigger picture of what's going on. I mean, let's face facts. There were more wars started during Obama's time than there was in the last four years. Let's face these facts. And one of the biggest reasons that Iranians do support Trump is because the biggest thing he did, the biggest campaign promise he did as soon as he was elected, was kill the Iran nuclear deal, which of course makes the I'm sorry to say, makes the mullahs heftier in the pocket. But you see that even that nuclear deal is contentious because not a lot of not all Iranians are against that nuclear that's, deal. That's exactly what I'm are saying. You so it, not, the, not, yeah. not all, not all Iranians. Iranians are against it. There were Iranians celebrating in the street when yeah, it happened. That's true. There's there's tons yeah. of Iranians that support the JCPOA. We won't. We don't have to get into all all, all of that because obviously there's a lot to, to be mined there. Yeah. Um. Uh, and I wasn't saying it's a validation of Trump that some Iranians support him, but I but I agree with you that there are people who have uh, you know different opinions and the one important lesson uh, I, I hope everyone takes from this election in the United States because the United States is an interesting case study is that you can't typecast people mm-hmm. yeah. you can't just assume Precisely. you know young people are going to be liberal yeah. black people are going to be the Democrats the you know old white people are going to be Republicans it's uh, there may be patterns like that but mm-hmm. this has just blown that all to shreds I mean 70 million vote people or something have, have voted for Trump yeah. and they they weren't all you know white middle America racists that's you know? true yeah. so, and, and I haven't look I'm it's a question in my mind circling that I, I want to know if tr- Trump if Trump was a conventional uh, politician if this single issue voting with minorities would have been as controversial for people and shocking right now because a lot of people are like oh I can't believe minorities are voting for Trump but 
if like let's say instead of Trump it was Mitt Romney or someone more conventional politician yeah. would have be would have be questioned it as much or in my opinion not? it's the picture that the media has painted of Trump unfortunately you don't see that happening on Biden's side well, even though well, the well, fact remains well, the, me- that the media doesn't paint the picture of Trump's Twitter feed we can read true, what this guy true, has to nobody's say nobody's perfect right? I'm not saying that anybody's no. perfect but on the other hand you see Biden making ridiculous comments and clear signs of mm. dementia on his side oh, on, and the okay. media that, doesn't that, talk that, about that, that. That's, that's hogwash oh that's, well that's okay come well, on, we all have our you're, opinions you're, you know, uh, <laughs> we, we should have had Keon on the line <laughs> no, let's no, no. debate I, I don't consider myself a political the dementia argument is the most debunked argument about Biden Clearly oh, doesn't have. He's, the, he's 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 his faculties whole, are just fine. He's just a face for it. We all know that well, Vice, okay. Vice President Kamala Harris is really meant to be the president eventually. You know. Um, uh, <laughs> I love it. Diversity. I, 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 diversity you know, I, I love how I walked in here. I was like, I'm not a political person. I'm not going to state my opinions, and here I am. But you see, that actually makes me happy because uh, this shows that we have people from all walks of life and all different mindsets. Right. Like, I, I, I mean, I'm never going to speak to Keon again. It also. <laughs> This is, me why, happy. this is why I avoid <laughs> no, stating my opinion. Not at all. Not this at all. is what America All opinions be. are welcome. Yeah. I mean, we'll have are to. They? Well, we'll d- have to I'm debate kidding. it out. I mean, you know, yeah. uh, what you believe is dangerous. Let's face it. But, <laughs> but you know. Stop uh, watching uh, the news, Gian. What are you, you going to do? Generally, um, from 2016, Trump and then Brexit. And, you know, it's been several years that I'm I'm fighting with myself to save my belief in democracy but um, sometimes I I, f- I feel that it could be a, a kind of game and mm-hmm. you know mm. but in this case and generally uh, I I'm, I want to say that I am Democrat. Yes. Well, uh, thank you. <laughs> thank you for declaring yourself. Uh, once again, we have much more, more important <laughs> important things to deal with, like Lubia Polo and there? the letters and the letters of the day. Let's go to letters. Okay. Letters. This week on episode 57, we had a feature interview with award-winning Iranian-American entrepreneur Elnaz Sadaf. She's the founder and CEO of the Roybi Robot, the world's first ever AI-powered smart toy to teach children language and STEM skills, aka the subject of my nightmares. Yeah. I'm kidding. <laughs> no, it's a good thing. Um, hope on YouTube we have Sultan. See, you hate what? everybody all of no, a sudden. No, I love you her. hate the robot. No, I love. You, you know, this she's is the, a genius. The, Trump the woman thing. is a genius. Okay. No, I, right, I right. respect uh, intellect, and the woman created something profound. I, I, I just, I'm scared of the future in general. Right. This technology robots era. Freak you that, out. that, yeah. Right. But it's an amazing thing that she created. Very helpful for children. Little kids. I'm yeah, just scared yeah, of it. Yeah. Okay. Hope right. <laughs> Sultan BC on YouTube wrote. <laughs> the lady herself sounded like the AI baby toy. That's not nice. <laughs> and he said, I got really scared. Jian was scared of the robot too. Also, Kian is afraid of Roybi because she smokes weed and she knows she'll trip out. The lonely people like them better. That is simply not true. Wow, people have really got Maybe us figured out here. Yeah. <laughs> All right. 
to be clear, I don't smoke weed that often. It's a once in a while leisurely. How does your doctor uh, feel about the? <laughs> He's okay. With, we do edibles once in a while. It's oh, it's nice. It's okay. it enhances uh, the cooking and. Do you eating do them experience. on your uh, Wednesdays on or weekends? Weekends, oh, weekends. Right. strictly weekends. I know the full schedule. And of listen, Keon and her doctor. There's really yeah. nothing else to do these days. Like uh-huh. restaurants are depressing to go to. Sit outdoors while you're freezing to death. Right, so, right. anyway, moving on. Uh, we have Marlene Curie wrote, "I am not American, but I vote for Roy B." Yeah, nice. <laughs> A pro Roy B letter. Yes. Shia made this uh, similar comment last week. He would vote. I for actually, uh, I don't, I don't know if uh, somebody sent it on my Facebook. Uh, it's probably not among your letters, but uh, a woman who said that she's buying a Roby, Roby because she heard the, the thing, and, and she's grandmother, wow. and it's getting them for her grandkids. That's lovely. Yeah. Roybies really are, you know, yeah. youth. <laughs> is it lovely, or are they going to take over the world? This is the problem. I'll find out when I have kids, if I still <laughs> think it's uh, What I want to know is that, are we going to get a kickback from that sale? Yeah, that's Do a we good get point. Some, Reza, Reza's uh, a businessman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Typical Iranian. You should start Reza charging for your girlfriend's Lubia polo, too. I know. <laughs> cool. On and moving on to Instagram, we have username Manel, no full name listed. He or she wrote, "This interview, along with all the other Rook episodes, are so amazing. I can't stop listening to them. Mm. That's lovely. Nice, thank you. And then we have Fani Mehnaz. She, I, I believe it's a she. She wrote, "This interview was really awesome. Can Roy be help children with autism?" I'm not sure. Mm. Hmm. Well, I think actually um, I was talking to um, Ponta, the artist who was taking care of uh, mm-hmm. some of this stuff for us. And then I uh, think got back to her and with the response, Al Nasarov mm. responded. Please don't call her thing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> the Roy B. <laughs> the inventor of the thing. Right, right. Uh, she got back to her with uh, with a response that says, uh, yeah, not at this moment, but the kids with autism have used uh, Roy B as well. So oh. That's great. Yeah. And she was very thankful. That's good. For the response. Hope. And then we have username only Apkanand, no full name listed. Uh, he said, fabulous conversation that you love to listen to till infinity in loop, mm. in my opinion. So much out of the box material and most definitely so fascinating. All right. It was. Thank you. And then moving on, uh, a few weeks ago on episode 50, we had a feature interview with superstar Iranian-American comedian and actor Maz Jirbani. We received a lot of positive mail about him and the interview, but I wanted to give some time to those today who were unhappy about Rook booking Maz for that interview. On YouTube, we have username Cherie, no, no full name listed. Uh, He or she said, I believe Maz should stick with comedy. Obviously, he knows nothing about politics. And backtracking to that episode, I think I mentioned it earlier, I found Moz to focus a little too much on that interview um, with politics. Well, I mean, I was asking some of those questions. By the way, the irony of these letters is that that was what the interview was about. Him saying, people say these things to me. And here they're doing, they're proving his point. You know, stick to to comedy, buddy. And, you know, why shouldn't he have a voice, political voice? Why not? because he's a comedian. No, it's great. We I'm should listen to somebody, no, a lawyer of instead of Moss. But it shouldn't be a full hour focused only on politics. Why not? Because he's a comedian. It's not his expertise. He's a smart guy. He's, he's a not smart just a guy. comedian. I agree. A, why, why not? T- I talk, I'm talking to you about politics. That's my own person. Well, that's why that's I, don't, his opinion too. I don't openly like to discuss politics because I don't <laughs> like hate mail coming to me. But, uh, I'm sensitive, okay? I, I believe Moss podcast is not comedy. Have you heard? I have not. No. Is it politics? No, he's he's been quite politically involved. So he's changing up his game then. 
No, he not according to him. Okay. If you recall in the interview, mm. he said, "I've always been outspoken. I've always been an activist, and this is just a continuation." Well, of it. he yeah. should be able to take negative. He criticism. does. I think he does. All right. Yeah. All right. <laughs> what well, else you got? Come on. All right. Let's keep on going. <laughs> then we have Alex Asghari wrote, "Maz, why don't you ever say jokes about previous Democratic presidents? <laughs> and look at what Democrats have done to your state." Many are leaving California to other states, and many others aim to leave. All right. All right. Keep them coming. <laughs> <laughs> then we have Gashas Nodan. This is quite a hefty letter. I'm going <clears> to <throat> clear my throat as I read this one. <clears throat> he says, One simply cannot condemn the mullahs and at the same time side with the National Iranian American Council, a.k.a. NIAC, if Mr. Jabrani is so unaware of Iranian politics as he seems to be, then better stay out of it. Moreover, he is very self-righteous and offending to the people who rightfully protest about his involvement in Nayak. These people are suffering under the regime and of course they get mad at amateur political activists like Maz Jabrani. I thought Rook is a program about successful people in the Iranian diaspora their achievements in their fields of success, their life stories, and their experiences as immigrants. This is true with some of your guests, but with others like Mr. Jabrani or Mr. Firuz Nadiri, it's just talking politics. No objection to that, but then maybe you should invite more diverse people from all political and social backgrounds, not just Trump haters or social activists who are convinced that Iranians should identify as people of color. <laughs> Thank you. All right. Oh, that was a full Said a lot. <laughs> he yeah. did. That was a mouthful. I uh, mean, that, th th this person is, uh, thank you for so much for the letter. And uh, But yeah, c clearly coming from a political st viewpoint yeah. and putting everybody into Moz and others in the box uh, uh, from uh, through the prism of which they're seeing him. But uh, sure, like, uh, I take that as, a, as an opinion. Okay, thank Good. you. Okay. And then a few weeks ago, we celebrated our 50th episode. I think it was the same one of Maz Durbani. And on that episode, we posted a team picture to celebrate. Uh, so a few people wrote into that. Uh, we have a on Instagram, Beth Bache wrote, Congratulations on 50 thought-provoking and inspiring episodes. Keep up the great work and may there be many more. Nice. Beautiful. And then username Sadaf88, uh, no full name listed. She wrote, unlike most Iranians, Rook has a very good teamwork. I like Thursday's episodes mostly because the Rook team members have discussions amongst each other and the audience gets a better chance to know you all. Mm. Actually, yeah. Mondays, we, we changed well, it up. Now it's Mondays and Thursdays. So, yeah. And then we have Adel Satadipour wrote, so proud of Gian and this amazing team. Keep on rocking, brother. Yeah. And don't forget to have Shahram Shapare, a.k.a. the Shio-hashed pioneer, on at some point. Shio-hashed. Uh, yeah, what, what's up with that? Should we get uh, Shahram Shapare? Yeah. It'd be fun to have him on. Why not? All right. Your wish is our command, Adel. All right. Actually, that's cancel. Uh, Let's that, cancel that. Please cancel for the love of God. Keon, that's Shisha. Make it stop. Shisha Hashed, also known as Shio Hashed. <laughs> hey, he wrote it as Shio Hashed. Okay. Yeah, there's no S. I think it was a typo. <clears throat> anyway, time for letter of the day. Yeah. People all clapping right. because it's over. This is <laughs> yeah. Get to the end. It's a relief. Club, all the way from London, UK, we have Dave Atkins oh. wrote, Hey, Gian, massive fan from London, UK. I've been watching you since the Q music days. Hope you and the Rook team keep up the amazing work. 
It's beautiful. Thank you so much, Dave Atkins. That's a very fine letter of the day. Thank you to Dave in my hometown of London, UK. Thank you to Captain Reza, Groovy Shia, the fabulous Keon. See you Monday. And this is full time for Rook for today. Thank you so much to those of you who listen to this program, support it, share it. Tell people about the content on all of our platforms. Remember, rookmedia.com is the place to find everything and anything that you need. With respect to Rook, leave comments there for us and go to our patrons page where you can support us. Thank you to the amazing little Rook team, producer Susan, Thoughtful Nagin, Ponta the Artist, the Fabulous Keon, Aray Merdad, English Muhammad, Savvy Sibyl Roham, Captain Reza and Groovy Shaya, I'm Gian Gameshi. Thank you so much again for listening. And as ever, Mizun Bashi. Mm-hmm.